Welcome to the second episode of the Blackburn News Podcast, and this is the first of a two-part series on the issue of homelessness. And while much of the content in this podcast is specific to homelessness in the City of London, there is certainly information that could be used by communities not just throughout the region, but across the country. In the second part of the series, host Craig Needles will speak with Craig Cooper. He's the manager of homelessness prevention for the City of London. He'll also speak with Dr. Jody Hall of Safe Space London. But in this episode, Craig talks to London Mayor Ed Holder, who recently said in his State of the City address that the City of London has effectively eliminated homelessness among veterans of the Canadian Armed Forces. Here now is Craig Needles with London Mayor Ed Holder on the Blackburn News Podcast. Mayor Holder, thank you very much for giving us some time here on the Blackburn News Podcast. I'm really pleased to uh, to have a chance to chat, Greg. Thanks so much. Tell me about what you announced at the State of the City Address in regards to homeless veterans in the City of London. The, uh, the, the, the claim was that we've eradicated veteran homelessness in the community. How have we done that and how did we come up with that? Well, I'm going to take us back just a little bit in terms of the State of the City Address that uh, we just gave. And I said, everything is viewed uh, through the lens of the pandemic. And uh, there is nothing that is so uh, incredibly impactful on all of us as Londoners, Canadians, and frankly, the world than this pandemic and in real terms. So what that does is that really uh, challenges uh, our ability to be able to service uh, those in greatest need. When I was first elected, I said there were three areas I was focused on, jobs, issues around transit and transportation, and third, taking care of London's most vulnerable. I also said that something that uh, really is, to me, uh, one of the critical points of how, of my own personal philosophy, something my Cape Breton mom said, and that a caring community is measured by how well we care for those who are as able to care for themselves. And that really drives a lot of what I do. And so the point that taking care of uh, affordable housing in various areas is not only a moral imperative, it's an absolute economic driver. Just imagine as well from the standpoint of the thousands of skilled trades and jobs that are created while you're doing the right thing. And that's the beauty of this is that uh, we have uh, had serious issues around our veterans in terms of homelessness. And, you know, I come from a family of veterans, so it really hits home to me. You know, my father, his brother served in the army, New Brunswick Rangers, and my uncle never came home. He's buried in Belgium. I had, uh, on my mother's side, two brothers, one in the Merchant Navy, the second missing in action to this day. So with all of that, I mean, it really is impactful when you think in terms of what you need to do to support those who have, frankly, uh, given up their lives in some cases and made the ultimate commitment uh, to protect this country and to see them on the streets. So the biggest issue for us as a city was to identify. The biggest issue was to uh, identify how much, how many uh, uh, folks were really there in that list. And, and so we worked with the Royal Canadian Legion and our own London Cares, which is uh, city-based, city of London-based. And between them, uh, they came up with lists, which is an evolving kind of thing, too, because there will be those that uh, self-identify as veterans. That has to go through Veterans Affairs to verify. When we have done all of that, uh, the whole issue is to get to the stage of having 
functional zero for homeless veterans. So what that means is that if we discover that there is a veteran who is homeless now, uh, the, the key is that it's a rare occurrence, that it's uh, a very brief period of time, in fact, to the point that within mere weeks, they are, they've got uh, permanent housing, affordable housing, and whatever that looks like. And we are able now to declare that. As a result, even the federal government joined us in that declaration that London is the first city, not just in southwestern Ontario or Ontario, but Canada that's done that. And that's, uh, that's Team London at its best. So credit to the Legion, credit to uh, our own uh, city's staff who've done the work and it needs to be done. And it doesn't mean you're not going to see somebody who's a veteran that says I'm homeless. But when that's identified to us and we can verify that information, we fix it. But it begs the question, and Craig, this is the key question. If we can do that, if we can go to functional zero for veterans homelessness, why can't we do that for our indigenous community? Why can't we do that for our citizens who are addiction-based, be it drug, alcohol, whatever it might be? Why can't we do it for chronic homelessness period? And that's the challenge that I extended the other day because uh, by our best numbers, uh, to deal with chronic homelessness, to get it to functional zero, we need to create 3,000 or provide 3,000 affordable homes. And affordable homes is a big category. So that will include things like your rent geared to income. Uh, that'll be those who are some percentage below market rates. There are a number of definitions around it, but it's all inclusive within that affordable housing broader context. And that's what we need to do. And uh, what I did was I put all hands on deck and uh, gave a shout out notice to everyone who I feel needs to be involved in this to make it happen. Let me ask you about this being veterans to start here. Was the reasoning for that, that you could get Veterans Canada involved in the process and therefore you have a little bit of a framework already in place? Was, was, was that why that was the first group that you thought, okay, let's see if we can uh, uh, target them first? Well, uh, important question. I would say because pro probably in part, and frankly, it was a, a more manageable number in the sense of being able to quantify and understand exactly what that meant. And when we got the support of the Legion, we got the support of Veterans Affairs, it was going to do what it needed to do to help uh, us with the identification of those, uh, those individuals. That just made it, uh, I think, more tangible to us and more real. So there was a decision made. And I think the, the beauty of this, this is much broader than just uh, than just London, Ontario. I know that Veterans Affairs and, and the Legion right across uh, the country intend to use London as the model to be able to develop that. So we had strong uh, uh, we had strong support. But you know, um, you know, I, I think a lot of this really is relationship building. Uh, we've had a, a strong relationship with the Legion, which is which has gotten more significant. But we also had. Uh, um, other players involved in this as well. So we had uh, the Housing Access Center. We had London Middlesex Community Housing. We had CMHA Middlesex. We had uh, we have a, a number of players who are working with us. So it just seemed that that I mean I could talk about my personal reasons why it's important, but frankly it was I think identifiable, manageable, and would become the model for. Um, uh, for veterans right across this country. And there are a number of organizations, I will tell you, uh, Homes for Heroes is one out of Calgary that is uh, uh, dealing with this right across the country. And 
so to prioritize uh, veterans, which we have done, I think that was uh, that 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 became an easy decision uh, because they've earned the privilege. We've got the privilege; they've earned the right to be in that position. You mentioned that there are, of course, other groups that uh, that that need our assistance. Uh, uh, we'll start with I- Indigenous peoples uh, in London. Uh, many of them, of course, uh, dealing with homelessness, are an overrepresented portion of the population when it comes to homeless people in the community. Uh, if if that's the next step, how do we start going about trying to help people who are in that situation? Okay, good question, Nee. Whether that's the exact next group that is focused on, I think will in part depend on the federal government's support, and here's why. Um, London's indigenous population uh, is, is the third largest uh, homeless population in all of Ontario, dramatic. And other centers across the country have uh, what we call an indigenous designation. So what that means, that releases uh, certain federal funds to be able to uh, provide uh, direct uh, housing and funding support for, uh, for Indigenous peoples. Uh, I can tell you this, our own uh, Indigenous community in London uh, truly, truly want, uh, want this to occur. And I've been in, in discussion with the minister responsible for, uh, for housing and, and, and designation of Indigenous uh, centres across the country. And it's, he, he appreciates how important this is to London, but how it helps the Indigenous uh, community that uh, calls London home. And, and, you know, again, we have an obligation to deal with them equally as we have with our veterans as well. And if we're going to ultimately take the steps that we need to, to eliminate homelessness, uh, I like the idea of doing it by segment, but that's, that's, that's almost too fluid. In fact, what happens is it's going to be based on what the needs are. Right. And, uh, and the way that we establish the needs is the audacious goal that we have set in, uh, in, in, in our goal to, uh, to achieve uh, functional zero for chronic homelessness. And that's uh, an incredibly admirable goal, and I and I wish uh, you and your, and your colleagues at the City of London much success in achieving that, because... Uh, I know it's not easy either, and I know it's not been easy to get to the point that we're at now, and I'm sure you saw uh, some of the comments on social media and maybe heard from some people after the State of the City address when you said uh, that, okay, we've, we functionally ended better in homelessness. But a lot of people in the community are saying, okay, what about homelessness for everybody else? So there's still a lot yes. of work left to happen, right? Well, and, and, and I think that's a fair comment. I would say that we haven't been acting in isolation, uh, but this is one particular uh, group. Uh, that we thought it was a priority to deal with in a world where there are a lot of priorities. And while we have dealt specifically with, uh, with veterans homelessness, uh, I would say to you that that is uh, a piece of a much uh, larger mosaic of uh, London's uh, most vulnerable uh, in this community. And, uh, and, and, and so while we've been dealing specifically with our veterans We've also consistently been dealing with uh, people who are homeless. I mean, we put more than 200 people into uh, hotel motel rooms uh, and provided them with, uh, uh, with that housing. And then many of those moved into temporary housing as well. Because one of the things that you have to worry about, just imagine Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And I'm sure you've studied it where you mm-hmm. say, what are the basics? Well, in simple terms, the basics are clothing, 
shelter, food. I mean, it doesn't get uh, more basic than that. And when we've got uh, these tent encampments and we've got uh, we've got record freezing uh, temperatures, we have an obligation to those individuals. And we're not looking at them whether they're veterans or whether they are indigenous or whether they are uh, uh, they have addiction issues. We're taking care of them because they need to be taken care of. And that's why I said earlier, it's going to be on a priority basis. Uh, but I think when you have, when, when you, while you deal with the priority cases uh, in general, if you can have some focus as well in certain areas, I think then, you know, you, you continue to check off the boxes of what you need to do. We've done it with veterans. Why can't we do it with the others? Right. And it's a, it, it's a great question. So, so let's do it and let's get it done. And it's, it's one of those things where, and, and I don't have to tell you, Ed, this, but I, I, I'm sure you hear it all the time. Government tends to move slowly on things. And time is of the essence here because the longer people are in this situation, the, the more precarious it becomes for their health, for their mental health. You mentioned people who are having addictions issues. So we, 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 we really want to be moving on this and try to go as quick as we can, right? Well, in fact, we have to. Uh, and it's that moral imperative that I mentioned earlier. On average, London builds and provides for about 150 units a year. So here we are quadrupling that for the next five years. And we're not doing it alone. We're doing it in conjunction with the support of our senior levels of government. We'll be doing it with the support of our business community, in particular, our developers and uh, builders. We're going to do it with other businesses across the community that will be helping us as well. And when we talk about building facilities, it isn't just... So it isn't just, for example, apartments where we've provided in the past bonusing. If, uh, if, if you build a building, we give you a floor, you give us another half a dozen, eight or 10 units for affordable housing. That is part of the puzzle. It isn't just Indwell, which is one of the great uh, providers of serviced uh, affordable housing. So typically rent geared income, but more importantly, those who, have, who require certain services beyond just providing a house. Affordable housing can be somebody who gets a unit uh, that is uh, 15, 20% below market. That's one aspect of it. That's no help to somebody who doesn't know tonight where they're going to sleep, how they're going to eat. And they may be on Ontario Works or OPS. ODSP, yes. Yes. And and I will say that the that those folks, it's red geared income. And sometimes it's, it's the, the subsidy requirement is so significant, but the, but not untypically many of those individuals have a variety of other issues. Often it'll be things like, are they taking their pills daily for their medical health? Mm-hmm. Uh, are they getting what they need to get done? Uh, London's been very progressive in a number of things. We've uh, gotten through the uh, provincial ministry, the uh, safe consumption site on York street. That's been, uh, that's been uh, funded and going forward, and, and, and that fills a need as well. But I'll tell you that with the support of all uh, of te- what I call Team London and all hands on deck, what we're going to do is we're going to be in a position where we provide um, safe, affordable housing with the kinds of supports that are going to be necessary for Londoners. And is it the whole story? No. Uh, London's a regional centre, and as a regional centre, we know that London attracts uh, folks from away, simply because we have a variety of services that aren't typically available in other centres. We recognise that that's part of it. But, you know, today we've identified the need 
as 3,000 affordable housing units in a variety of uh, scenarios. And that's our goal. It's five years to do it. And otherwise, it would take 20. And you know what? I may not be around in 20 anywhere. So, so for, all, for this council to make the commitment that uh, I'm looking forward to make, uh, to me is tremendously exciting. What a legacy. If they can say that in their time, at the point where they were elected, that this is the kind of difference that they made. And to them, I say bravo. Uh, and that's the opportunity that we have as Londoners. And if there's one thing I've learned, Londoners care for Londoners. It's an amazing thing to see how well they do. This is something that I've been uh, railing about for a long time, Ed, and I know that you yourself don't have control of it, but how much of this uh, also involves a conversation with the province? You mentioned Ontario Works, you mentioned uh, ODSP, when it comes to the rates for those two programs, because as those rates have not kept up with inflation, we've seen that lead to homelessness for people who may not be in that situation otherwise. So is, is there a conversation to be had there? Is that part of the advocacy here for you? Uh, the advocacy we're talking about specifically uh, ranges around the primary of focusness uh, or focused on, on the homelessness component. Of course, uh, part of the challenge is that if you don't have uh, sufficient monies to live, that, uh, that compounds your, uh, uh, your challenge associated with being homeless. Uh, I, will, I will say to you, there are a number of advocates uh, and even through our own city that are, uh, that are talking to the provincial government with respect to, to rates. And I've certainly heard you say time and again, how critical this is. And I get it. Um, the area of focus that I'm putting on is the housing component right now. Right. And, uh, and, and, and I think you have to understand where your focus is going to be for that. At the same time, when opportunities come to speak on behalf of London's most vulnerable, this mayor and this council would be behind them. Uh, let's get back to the, the housing aspect of it then, because there is going to have to be some cooperation with the development industry here because you're talking about creating more units. So if that's, you know, a few units with this apartment building here, or a few units with this condo complex here, there's there's the creation of those units that are uh, uh, geared to market or affordable housing units. And there's a, a variety of different terms here. How do we make that happen? How do we work with the developers in this community, many of whom I know are committed to this, to make sure that we can do this in a timely manner? Interesting you say that they're committed to this because... Actually, uh, I'll let you in on a little secret. There was uh, probably half a dozen, eight weeks ago, when I had one of London's largest developers come up to me and say to me, in all candor, we as a, as a development community aren't doing enough. We live here. We work here. We've made our, our fortunes here. And it's time we gave something back in a really dramatic way. How can we help? I mean, when you hear something like that, and then I went to another major developer, shared the idea, and they said, we're in. And so that's how these things tend to start. But here's what's even more interesting. Uh, the one particular develop, developer uh, with whom I spoke said, let me be the lead with, within the development community. Let me do the talking. Maybe because they heard a long I talk and that'd be very bad. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, but there's, there's all sorts more... of reasons why, but maybe. <laughs> yeah, and that could be a factor. Yeah. Though. But I, but but more critically, they've got the they've got the the credibility. They've got been there. They're doing it. And so to, and, and and so, what are we asking from the development community? We're asking potentially for land. We're asking typically for accommodation, and by that I mean when they're building to give us some provision of. Uh, of property and, and units that are uh, that 
qualify within affordable housing. Give us uh, labor and skilled trades for the purpose. Give us money. There are a number of things. And and when I spoke with the development community, uh, these two uh, large players, they said, your biggest challenge is land. Because uh, as has been said, and, and you will know this, London, Ontario has the best builders in all of Canada. I mean, look where Alice Dawn started from, right here in London, Ontario. But all the great developers are, are here in London, Ontario. The builders, those who know what they're doing, uh, they are world-class and they're in this community. So when I consider that uh, and, and acknowledging that land is, is a big issue, uh, we have our municipality that's putting together an inventory of the lands that we have and could be available uh, for affordable housing. We are looking to the province as well. What have they got? We're looking to the feds as well in terms of any surplus or potentially surplus available lands. And we're talking to developers too in terms of lands that they have. And you know what? None of them have said, well, what are we going to get in return to this point? But there's still more conversations that we need to have, to be fair. These are early, early days in terms of how we can make this work. But I'm absolutely confident if we continue a Team London approach and with giving back to this great community that's done that's, that's certainly uh, uh, given us all the advantages and the opportunities. We can get there. And, and, and so you'll forgive me if it's early times. And when we have this discussion in four to six months and I say, okay, here's where we're shaping out to be and here's what it looks like, uh, I'll, we'll know better exactly how it's all going to come together. But I've got senior levels of government who are excited about the process. not all sure how it's going to work and shape out, but they are keen to do this. I've got a federal minister who's responsible for housing. Let's talk about modular units and cooperation with the CMHC and how we can tie that all in. I've got a provincial government and local ministers who get it and are very supportive as well. I've got a council who are so committed to this as well, to the point where, uh, to be fair, uh, what I like to do as I have uh, in the state of the city is I like to share it at the, on the day of, but I've had discussions subsequently with uh, most of them. Uh, and they are extremely excited about the prospect of this. Not sure how we're going to get there, but you know what? When you set a goal, do you remember two years ago when I did my first state of the city, Greg? I said, we talked about uh, transportation. Yep. And we talked about transit policy. Mm -hmm. And I said, my goal is to see this council within 60 days agree on the projects that are necessary to be able to take to the provincial and federal governments to get funding. And you know what? It hadn't happened in the prior council, but guess what? We put a goal out there, but it was the resolve of the councillors. It wasn't me. It was the resolve of the councillors to make that happen, as it will be the resolve of council to make this happen as well with an extremely cooperative and supportive staff. And we've had many meetings on this. I can tell you our senior uh, management team uh, in the city have met with senior folks in the development community. And, and so things are happening already. And I intend to take uh, to, to ask council formally to support this. And, uh, and I think that gives us all uh, a formalized approach to the goal. And we have to, because it's that moral imperative that I've declared. Of course. Uh, of course. Last thing, uh, Ed, before we wrap up here, look, there are a lot of Londoners who are of course living on the streets right now. And, and I'm going to talk with, with, with Craig Cooper coming up in uh, a few days here about, you know, estimates and, and, and things like that, as far as how many there are and, and, and where, where, where they might be able to go. But, 
Uh, this is something that is incredibly important to a lot of people, people that may have family members who are dealing with homelessness, people who may have loved ones who are dealing with addictions issues that they haven't been able to, to, to see for a while. As, as Londoners might be wondering, okay, when are we going to be able to start seeing some results here? When are we going to be able to see perhaps less crowded shelters? And then we're doing this uh, in the midst of a pandemic, which of course makes this all the more difficult. Uh, when do you think we might start to see some significant numbers of people perhaps be able to, to get off the street? I know we've done a lot of work already, but uh, did, are we able to put timelines on this, do you think? Well, uh, I would submit to you that we're doing that now. When you uh, look at the uh, decisions that we made during this pandemic uh, about how we deal with, uh, with those who are our most vulnerable, uh, we uh, open up hotels and motels, we put people there, and we, then we would shift people from there as, as we're able and, as, and available into permanent housing. And again, when you only, but only when you only develop in the range of 150, give or take, and provide those numbers of units in a year, it's hard because th there's only so many you can uh, provide some permanent sense of uh, residency. So there's a bit of a, a constant moving. But you know, not only are we in a pandemic, but we're in the coldest subarctic temperatures uh, right now than we've been that we've been in in years. And so what have, what have we done for that? We uh, have provided two areas in the city of London where we have provided pop-up shelters. And uh, so what does that mean? We've, we're housing somewhere, Craig will give you the exact number, but uh, in the range of 100 different individuals who otherwise, during this winter, uh, we don't know what they'd be doing. Would they be in tent encampments? Would they be couch surfing? Would they be in safe environments? This way, we've got secure-ported uh, trailers that are in two different locations in London, and we're taking care of close to 100 uh, individuals through that process. Plus, we still have the hotel and motel units. Plus, we have YOU that has now brought in, in their Clark Road facility, supported through federal, provincial, and municipal uh, uh, funding, as well as individual fundraising. We've been able to house uh, dozens of people there with their pets, actually, on Clark Road. That's a, that's a bit of a different uh, type of support system that YOU does. Uh, and, and so it's, it, it's not a one solution fits everybody because we'll even have people who, despite the weather, despite the need, will not go in to sheltered accommodation. And sometimes those are uh, experiential. Sometimes that's just, uh, and, and some uh, might be uh, mental health based, uh, and some just uh, are so independent and they like it the way they like it and or they're not comfortable in uh, congregate settings that are more formalized. So all to say, uh, there's no one solution that, that fixes every circumstance, but I think London's done a lot to be able to uh, protect the lives of, uh, of individuals on the street. So we can then take them to the next step, which is provide more permanent housing. But right now, if they freeze to death, you can't fix them. If they starve to death, you can't heal them. So we're trying to take the kinds of steps that are necessary to keep them alive. And from there, what we'll do is we'll, we'll work with them. And that's why wraparound services like Indwell are so critical. The social service agencies in the city are so critical to providing for the needs of individuals who are uh, most dramatically impacted. So uh, I would tell you, uh, uh, 
Is it enough? I would argue it's never enough, but we've taken some pretty strong strides and I compliment Craig Cooper, Kevin Dickens and our whole city uh, hall staff uh, in the housing space. I would also tell you that, um, that our community service, uh, not just in London, but the broader uh, social service community uh, has been tremendous in uh, what they have done to help support. Look at the food bank. Food banks made a promise that there should not be one agency in the city of London that doesn't, that if they need food to call them and they'll be the provider. That's huge. And, and, and Glenn Pearson, Jane Roy, uh, kudos to you. They've been providing bag lunches every day uh, and, and uh, supporting, supporting the YLU community, supporting uh, and being delivered through 519 Pursuit, who has its own community-based group. But we're providing through the food bank uh, food for any agency uh, that has a need in London. And that's the commitment that uh, the food bank's given me. And they've sent that message out. And that's so, so critical. Because when people get their funding from various levels of government themselves, well, you know what? They don't need to worry about the food component. They can worry about uh, clothing. They can worry about education. They can worry about health. I mean, the basics. Yep. And and let the food bank support them with the food side. Yeah, school supplies if they have kids or, or whatever it is. Just focus on, on other stuff, yep. yeah. Uh, Ed, you've that's, been... what love, but yeah. that's what I love about our city, though, Craig. i got to tell you, this yep. is truly Team London at its best. On the next episode of the Blackburn News Podcast, part two of Craig Needle's examination of homelessness. Craig will speak with Craig Cooper, the manager of homeless prevention for the City of London, and Dr. Jody Hall of Safe Space London. That's on the next episode of the Blackburn News Podcast. Thank you for listening. <laughs>